Hi everyone, this is Esther Mbavazi, host of the Movule podcast, where we talk about nature, the environment, and climate change. I am a photographer and nature lover from Uganda. This show started through the Apollo Forests, a tree planting project that got me asking questions about nature and our role in the environment. The podcast is named Muvule after a beautiful and majestic indigenous tree species of hardwood, which is sadly being overexploited to rarity. On the show, I'll be chatting with people in the environmental spaces, from activists to storytellers, scientists, farmers, policymakers, among others. Today, we're talking about millipedes with Tawanda Tinago, a biologist from Zimbabwe, who will tell us about his work. And I'm really humbled to sit down with you and learn more about uh, environment and these creatures. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we'll jump right into it. So for someone like me who has not had that background in science, can you please tell me about your work as a biologist? Okay. My work is centered around just studying the environment and looking at the organisms in the environment and how they contribute to our lives because we live in an ecosystem, right? If I say ecosystem, I mean this is a system of life where one organism needs another organism to survive. We feed off each other. So I study mostly small organisms and how they contribute to our livelihood. And basically what I mainly try to do is try to identify or document them because some of these are not known to us. We see them, but we don't know them and we don't know some of the properties they have that are beneficial to us. And why millipedes? Yeah, so that is a question that I get asked often. Uh, and I always say, why not millipedes? Generally, I'm a curious person. And when the opportunity came to study something, Somebody suggested millipedes and I was like, I've always seen them. You know, it's just, I've never really paid attention to them. And then I thought to myself, why not? Why not? Because they are understudied, underrepresented, and literally nobody cares about them. So why don't I get in there and get people to care about them? Because they are very important for our environment. I call them the forest floor heroes. Because just think of it, we do farming and we buy fertilizers and we put them in our you know, fields to make sure that our plants get the nutrition. But are we doing the same for the forest? Who's putting fertilizer in the forest? It's the millipedes. So that's why they're important. And that's one of the reasons why they're important. And also, they have provided a source of remedy in terms of malaria for a certain tribe in Northwest Africa. So they have medicinal uses. They're not just organisms that we see around, but they have use. And about how many millipedes are out there? In terms of an estimation, right, it is thought that we have between 30 to 80,000 that should be out there. But right now, as of this year, we only know 12,000 yeah, species. And uh, Southern Africa, I'm not sure about the stats of uh, other areas, we only know about 500, 522, which is a lot less. And because we live in, in, this, uh, in the tropics, it's expected that we should have a lot more. So we should be contributing a lot more. But it's just a fraction. Right now, I think we only know... 15% of what is out there. I remember growing up, we would see so many of them everywhere, yeah. everywhere. But now, even when I go to the garden, I rarely see millipedes. Why is it so? Well, I could say there are several factors to that. 
Millipedes generally prefer um, habitats that are not too hot because they are prone to desiccation. By desiccation, I mean they just dry up. They need areas where it's wet for them to breed and thrive. So climate change, the weather is getting warmer and warmer, and that tends to force them to disappear and try to find areas where it's wet, it's humid. And also we are developing, you know, it's natural for us to build up our lives and develop, but it's, it's supposed to be done sustainably. But the problem is we are destroying the habitats of these millipedes. So you tend not to find them everywhere. They retract and their habitat is being destroyed, unfortunately, by our need to develop. So that's why I said we need actually to do it in a sustainable manner. And we can't do it in a sustainable manner if we don't know where these millipedes are and we don't know about them. So essentially what is happening, the main reason that I can say that you are no longer seeing millipedes is that we are losing what we don't know we have. That's a powerful statement. We have always existed with all sorts of life, but we don't really know. We don't even know about this life. And so for me, um, having you on this podcast is very important because we need to further these conversations. We need people to be able to know that you need to protect the trees because they are homes for so many living organisms that we need to thrive as an ecosystem. And so earlier on, you were on a panel and you were talking about indigenous knowledge and how we're losing that and how we're not having that knowledge incorporated into modern science. So can you please tell me more about that? Where are you coming from to arrive to this point here? Yeah, that was an interesting panel. <laughs> so basically for me, as you said, we've been here living with these organisms and they've been thriving. So. What has changed? I think our major challenge is we now think we are smarter than those that came before us, the ancestors. But they were living with these organisms. If they were not doing it sustainably, they wouldn't be in today, but they're still there. And we're still discovering new ones. So for me, it's maybe those methods we need to know about them. We need to talk to these people because they know. And I always laugh uh, with some of my friends that I met one of these uh, older people elderly people, you know, wealth of knowledge. What do you do? I said, I identify millipedes and I give them names. And then they just asked me a simple question. They said, so are you trying to say they don't have names because we've been living with them for quite some time? That had me thinking. And they know, and they don't need tools that I use, which is your microscope and all of that, but they know. And we're not tapping into that knowledge. We've always had methods of conserving, right? That is known. But we don't know about them. So for me, it's more of a question of we are reviving what we were always doing. It's not something that should be new, but there's a gap. We've lost it. It's like a switch. It was switched off. Now we want to switch it on. Get back to those roots and find out how they were doing it because it was sustainable. If it wasn't sustainable, we wouldn't have any of those. And with the term indigenous knowledge, I still struggle with that term, but you know, it is what it is. But I think knowledge is knowledge. Our knowledge is just as powerful as all that is out there. And that's what we need to tap into. And I feel like it should be introduced into mainstream education in terms of probably cultural and heritage studies in these curriculum, even at, at undergraduate level, so that we learn some of these methods. Because there is a disconnect between somebody that's growing up not knowing their heritage, right? And then being told you have to conserve. They'll just simply say, oh, no, that's a white people thing. But hang on, you've been doing it. Our ancestors have been doing it. So it's not a white people thing, it's our thing. Let's get involved because this is our world. This is our Africa. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, or whatever race you are. If you're in Africa and you love Africa, 
let's help conserve it. Yeah, you can't conserve what you don't know. So I know you've talked a bit about it. Why do you think it's very important to have Africans in fields of research and in science actually do work on the continent in their communities? Why is it so important? I think it's very important because, like I said, we're in a system, right? And this is something that I always say to people. You will never, you know, hear a rhino complaining that it's the weather is changing. It's, it goes about its business. Yes, it's suffering, but it goes about its business. But we're the first to complain and moan. But we've got the capacity to do something about it. So that's why it's important to get involved, start doing conservation work in our areas to protect our livelihoods, to protect sustainability. And it's also critical because we need more hands. There are not enough people in conservation. There are not enough people studying the environment. There are not enough African people. And by African, as I said earlier, I mean, it doesn't matter race or African heritage. If you have African heritage and you love Africa, let's get all hands on deck. And it's very important for us to also, as I look at myself and I say, I have also to pass the button to the generation that's before me, that's going to come, um, uh, like maybe my son. He ha there has to be some level of continuity in that. So if we are doing it in our communities and the younger generation sees us doing it, they'll want to carry on. And the cycle continues and we preserve our habitats and our um, spaces for future generations to come. Right. I would like to hear your thoughts on this. If I'm listening to your interview right now, and I'm wondering, as an individual who is not a researcher, who's not a you know a scientist, I'm out there living my everyday life. What would you recommend I can do on an individual level to contribute to conserving the environment? Well, we've got to look at it from a perspective where we say you've got to think of the resources that you have doesn't matter whether it's your field, it's your water. I could use water as a basic example. You want to drink tomorrow, right? So what are you going to do to make sure that you're going to have that drink tomorrow? If you don't have information, try and find it. There are so many places where you can find information. Thank God you're hosting these podcasts to get the information out there. But not only that, I also think that consciousness, let me just explain. We think that science is not in us. You know, when you talk of science, I gave an example the other day about what is known as the scientific methods, where you do observations, make conclusions, and you know, that's the method that we use as scientists. But you will discover that it's something that we do every day. But most of us, you're everyday people that did not study science. We have the capacity. It's just doing it. It's just going out there and doing it. Think of sustainability. Ask yourself this, if you're an everyday person, what do I want for my children? What do I want for my grandchildren? So that's what we've got to do. Just care about the next person, about the future generation. It starts from caring. Once you start caring, actions will follow. That was brilliant because we always have to think of the next person. You know, we need to do better at that yeah. because we're here. There were people before us who preserved this environment so we can be here today. So yes. we need to do the same for the next generation. And what do you think a society loses when we lose this connection to the environment, to the generations before us, to conservation? What do we lose as a whole? Let me be bold and say we also we lose ourselves. 
we lose ourselves because the environment also shapes us as much as we influence it, but it also shapes who we are. And the more we destroy the environment, the more it changes also how we behave and interact as a people. Think of a, a situation where you've got people with a, a loaf of bread. It's enough to feed two people. But what if there's only one slice and you've got two people? The people are going to fight. And is that what we want? Do we want to get to a point where we are scrambling for resources to say, that's my tree, I own that tree because we've cut down everything, right? So we've got a lot to lose and you've got to do something. It might not happen in this generation, but there is something that's happening in this generation, right? It could be subtle, but they'll get to a point where it's out there, it's full on war, if I could use that word. So what we need to do is just stop and think. What do we want for the future? Because we've got a lot, we've got a lot to lose. Like I said earlier, who suffers the most? Fortunately, wild animals, think of animals that live in the desert. They have developed mechanisms. Have we? Without the air conditioning, have we? So we've got a lot to lose. And we've got to start caring. And if there's information that can save us, if it's somewhere and that we know it's there, let's go and get it and let's use it so that we, we, we are no, we live longer in a sustainable manner. Thank you very much for this conversation and also for really breaking it down to a personal, individual level, which is very important. And I feel like most of the times science and research gets lost in scientific papers and staying very academic. But I feel like with these conversations, we'll be able to share this information and reach far. Um, is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, as scientists, I think we've also got to start communicating with the people in a way that they understand. There's a stereotype that's always been attached to being a scientist. When you walk into a room and you say, I'm a scientist, everybody thinks you're smarter than everybody. And then you just become full of yourself. And you feel like everybody else that's got something else to say different to what you're thinking doesn't have anything of value to add to you. And I think as scientists, we just need to change because we are part of the community. We come from those communities. Then why do we change when we put on our laptops? We should always remember that we are part of the community and we need to talk to the community. And what we do, all this research that we're doing, it is for the community. So at the end of the day, let's go back and talk to the community. And look, scientific journals are important make no mistake, but does the community understand what significant difference, the, some of the terms we use. So that's where, you know, science communication, visual storytelling, collaborations with, you know, storytellers to visualize our research so that everybody else can understand what we're talking about. I think that becomes very important. So we just need to have a shift in our mindset. As the theme says, Africa refocus, refocus. We can change, we can adapt. Yeah, and I'm very grateful for spaces like new nature, environment, wildlife filmmaking platforms like this that bring us together, storytellers and scientists to bridge that gap. So thank you very much for taking the time and speaking with me. And I will link information about your work in the show notes so people can reach out in case they would like to know more about your work in Millipit. That's okay. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey of the Mouvle podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share this show. Also, please follow us at Mouvle Podcast on social media. Thank you.